So now I guess we'll just dive a little deeper into the genocide aspect of Israel, since we're this is a very Israel-centric uh, episode here, but that's because Israel's dominating the news, and well, it's the news. But uh, I I've said Israel's going down this dark path. And I've always maintained the position that Israel has the power to change course. It, it really doesn't need to be this way. It really doesn't need to be this way. But I don't think that with the current leadership in Israel that they're going to make that change. Not with Netanyahu. That's not me saying, oh, we should go overthrow Israel's government. No, no, no. Israel, if Israel is to change course, it should be because the Israelis made that choice. As a sovereign nation, they have the right to act as they see fit but they, that right also comes with the responsibility not just of defending your state but of you being the ones who determine your fate and the Israelis whether they believe they do or not and I believe that at least a good chunk of them do considering that a lot of them don't like Netanyahu they think he's a criminal and they have wisely caught on to the fact that this war may just be an attempt to keep criticism off of him for the judicial reforms that he was trying to do, which had split Israel as a country because he was essentially trying to put the judiciary under more direct control of him, which would make it a less independent judiciary and thus not much of a judiciary at all. So those are the, the things going on in Israel prior to October the 7th. And those political tensions, those political problems from the perspective of Netanyahu haven't gone away. This doesn't need to... What's transpiring right now in Gaza, in the West Bank, with these bombings in Iran and Lebanon, then the seemingly intentional self-destruction of Israel, this doesn't need to happen. I'll, I can't stress that enough. I, I feel like I probably haven't stressed it as much as I should when talking about all the really shitty things that Israel's getting up to. But this is this is a choice. This is a choice, and they can make the choice to make things better. It's just a matter of leadership and a matter of, again, choice. This is not some set-in-stone thing where the Israelis are just fated to kill everybody in sight. It is not set in stone that Israel must be responsible for genocide. It doesn't have to be this way. They don't have to go for ethnic cleansing. They don't have to do all these things that, by any measure, would make them no better than the Nazis from so long ago. It doesn't have to be this way. Israel can course correct. They still can. This Even this late in the game. They, they're going to have a lot to atone for, but course correction is still a distinct and realistic possibility. It is still there. It's just a matter of can the Israelis take the reins of this monster before the actions of the, the Leviathan that is their government, before their government can get them in a, in, a, in a place where there may not be an Israeli state at all. Can they turn this ship around before it all comes crashing down. Because every day we get closer to that genocide ruling, every day we get closer to a legitimate justification for an international coalition to be built against Israel 
and that would be the end of Israel if it would have happened. And suddenly, you know, all this talk about how Iran is the head of the Hydra, you're going to see what the Hydra looks like. And you're going to realize that you've only, that the Hydra, you didn't cut off the head and then spawn 15 more. No, there were already like 100 heads and he was only fighting you with one of them because he didn't want to destroy you. Israel can avoid that. Israel, uh, like I said, I've made the case as to why they should accept the Hamas peace deals. One, because it's it was more effective. The ceasefire that we saw back in, um, what was it, uh, November? Towards the end of November, that ceasefire achieved more in four days. It was extended by another two, but that ceasefire achieved more in four days from the perspective and standpoint of getting your hostages out of Gaza than nearly two months of fighting had done. And so at this point in the game, when you see the, the forces, the political forces mounting against you, you should take the out. Hamas is giving you the, the, the off-ramp. They're, they're, and you can, if you're good enough at spinning this, you can, you can take these proposals and say, look, they sued for peace and we, the reasonable ones, because we also want peace, we're going to accept this because no one wants to see the death and the violence in Gaza. And you can, you can play the atrocities and the death uh, to your advantage in that way by taking the peace and saying, we regret having ever having to do that. We, we abhor violence of the nature that you saw. It was just, we had to set the record straight that you can't attack Israel in the way that happened on October the 7th. And now that you know the fighting is done we can get to finding a real peace between us and the Palestinians you can do that like with, with some real savvy wordsmithing and backed up by some actual policy you can do that and suddenly this conflict can go away again Israel's gonna have a bloody nose Israel's going to have a lot to atone for but there will still be an Israel on the other side of this if they take the deal. And when you look at the deals that Hamas is proposing, they're not entirely unreasonable. So it's it's not like you're going to be taking that big of a political hit. Sure, you're going to take the L. right? You did not destroy Hamas. You're, you're going to take that L. That is unavoidable. But let's compare taking the L of simply admitting that we couldn't destroy Hamas to the L of we committed genocide instead of admitting that we could not destroy Hamas. Which is which is the bigger L to take here? You have at some there are some times in life where you got to take the short-term L for the long-term W. You don't sometimes you don't win the game because but at least you did, you weren't a cheater, right? Sometimes you don't you don't eat all of the pizza that is available to you for the long-term W of there's pizza left for you tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. Sometimes you have to take the short-term L for the long-term W. And if Israel is smart, they'll take one of these deals. Again, and Hamas is, we, we talked about their deals uh, twice before. These are some pretty moderate deals. And if Israel is smart, and which is what I argue, they should take the deal and then spin it as themselves being the mature and reasonable ones. We also want peace, and we're happy to see that Hamas is coming to the table to negotiate. That's what they should do. 
if your goal is to neutralize Hamas, perhaps you shift and say, well, we were, we were going to destroy Hamas, but now Hamas has made themselves open to the possibility of a lasting peace. And so we thought about all the lives we could save by having some reasonable negotiations with Hamas. We know it's not what everyone wanted to hear, but we think it's for the best of the Israeli people and the Palestinian people that we do this. You, I have just laid out the groundwork for how Israel can save its, its nationhood from this war by simply saying yes to peace. But they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. Like, I, 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 again, before I continue on, I just really want to stress how optional this is and how Israel still has the power to make the change that will guarantee that there will still be an Israel in the future. But until then, we're dealing with uh, a mess. We're dealing with a mess and we're dealing with an Israel that will be guilty of genocide on the other side of this. Because Israel has just, has raided the Rafah hospital in southern Gaza. AKA, uh, you know, southern Gaza, AKA the part of Gaza that they told everyone to evacuate to before before the fighting was supposed to, uh, you know, <coughs> before the fight before they went into northern Gaza, they said, everybody, you have to go to southern Gaza because we're going to be bombing and fighting in the north. We don't want to hurt anybody. We, we're so humanitarian. We want to save civilians. We, and we want to go to the south of Gaza so you can be safe from the fighting. We only want to get Hamas. Now they're bombing uh, and fighting in southern Gaza. Where they, they forced all these people to flee to. Now they're raiding the, the hospital in Rafah. Uh, after taking down uh, the other hospital, uh, Shifa Hospital in sort of central Gaza, the biggest hospital in Gaza. And I, I've seen a, a, a report uh, on how the, the systematic destruction of the Palestinian healthcare service by you know shooting up hospitals one at a time, you're effectively going to kill off the population by denying them basic health care. You know, I don't mean health care as a, oh, I can pay a subscription plan and I can go to the doctor. No, I mean literally being able to go to the doctor or not. Ha the difference between having a hospital and not having a hospital in your, within a five-hour drive. That's what we're talking about. Denying people the ability to even go to a hospital, not a health care as we know it, as like the subscription service where they make sure your doctor's appointment's cheaper. No, I'm talking about even having a doctor to go to. Denying that basic health care. And there's reports that that might kill hundreds of thousands of Palestinians a year by simply denying them the, the even, to even, uh, denying them the medical logistics of, of the health care system. And uh, that's a shocking number. I'm not entirely sure how true it would be. But I can't, at this point, when we see the deliberate attacks on hospitals, because this is a pattern. Now, this is a pattern of behavior, an established pattern of behavior, that Israel is attacking these hospitals. They claim that Hamas is fighting there. And then after the fact, we find out Hamas was uh, not fighting in these hospitals and that there were not tunnels underneath these hospitals, at least not tunnels that the Israelis were able to find. And with that being an established fact, if regarding the nature of this fight, we have to we have to ask uh, we have to account for the possibility that the destruction 
of basic medical service. That that's the the word I was looking for for basic medical services. And it's still healthcare, but we have to account for the possibility that the destruction of medical services in Gaza might be a legitimate goal in and of itself by the Israelis. Again, with the express purpose of killing Palestinians through collective punishment. So, this is a terrifying prospect, especially if you're, again, Palestinian. Again, because uh, the Egyptians don't want you. No, no one, none of the surrounding countries really want to let Palestinians in to their countries for a, a number of political and uh, strategic reasons. But this... Uh, again, these actions can and will be used against Israel in the genocide court. And, and that genocide ruling is all but inevitable. It's just a matter of how many Palestinians they will kill. And if this is a deliberate goal of destroying the medical services in Gaza, they will kill tens if not hundreds of thousands of Palestinians uh, through the destruction of these basic medical services provided by these hospitals, which they keep shooting up and then denying to the Palestinians after the fact. Now they're attacking the hospital in Rafah, but they're also now uh, reportedly preparing a raid on the refugee camp in Rafah. Now this revelation, the that being the planned attack on the refugee camp, not the umpteenth hospital that Israel shot up, um, but the revelation that they are planning on attacking the Rafah refugee camp has earned a rather half-assed condemnation from Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, but condemnations nonetheless. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll better late than never, better half-assed than not at all, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, it's becoming so blatant now that even Israel's supporters are beginning to ask long, long, long overdue questions about what exactly Israel's uh, end goal is here in Gaza and what exactly uh, the effectiveness of their means are. Does shooting up a hospital in Gaza kill Hamas? Well, you can say uh, they, they can't go to the hospital when we shoot them. Okay, but how many Hamas are you shooting? Uh, uh, every adult man. Well, okay, that's a lie. Um... <laughs> It's it's insane. But even Israel's support is now starting to dry up because of how flagrant their attacks on civilians and on civilian infrastructure is becoming. As if it... I would say as if it wasn't flagrant before, but no, it has legitimately gotten more overt and in your face over the course of this war. So it's, it's natural that even the staunchest of, you know, deniers who say... Israel is fighting the good fight, they're fighting terrorists, and yada yada yada. You know, typical Israel simp activity. Uh, not to say that Palestine doesn't have its, specifically Hamas, doesn't have its own simps who pretend that Hamas isn't a terrorist organization. <laughs> but I'll digress. Now, because their actions are getting so flagrant and in your face, and not even attempting to be discreet, now the support starts to dry up. Uh, and that's Britain, New Zealand, and Australia. America is still sort of torn on this, and it's become an ideological divide. And not just, uh, you know, between right and left, but within right and left. And we've gone over that a couple times. 
how the Democrats are torn between supporting the Palestinians because they're being oppressed or supporting the Jews because it's the Jews and you're, you're not supposed to question the, the Jews because Holocaust. And then you have uh, the right where it's, we are we America first or are we Israel first? Because uh, we were talking a lot of shit about how we shouldn't be giving aid to Ukraine. And now here a lot of us are turning the page and going, yeah, but... Hundreds of billions of dollars to Israel is a good idea. It's like, um, okay, that's not what the that 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 wasn't the the plan here. That wasn't the agenda. Let's how is one conflict any better for us than the other? And that's the divide on the right. But now, as they sort of go all in on genocide, trading in ethnic cleansing for genocide, you get more and more resistance from previously supportive groups and this is not this trend is far from over we also have egypt reportedly fortifying their border with gaza rafa is on the border with egypt uh, and that's also a relevant fact of this uh, little bit of information here but egypt has reportedly been fortifying their border with gaza in similar fashion to what we've been seeing uh, in texas lately and how they've been uh, doing this, uh, well, Egypt has been doing this uh, specifically to avoid being overwhelmed by human waves of Palestinian refugees. Which is something that is likely to transpire in the event that Israel raids the Rafah refugee camp. Where hundreds of thousands of Palestinians have been flocking to the, like, the camp and the area around the camp to get away from the fighting as, you know as the, the southernmost point of Gaza, you know, as far away from where the fighting was supposed to be as you could possibly get while still being in Palestine. Israel has now circumvented all of that to come straight for this, this refugee camp. And the goal is twofold, kill the Palestinians, claim to kill Hamas while causing a, a refugee crisis on Egypt's borders to force the issue of Egypt accepting hundreds of thousands of Palestinian migrants and once those migrants are in well now you all the other migrants are gonna go oh look Egypt uh, let them in we we have a way out now we can go to Egypt and that'll create problems for Egypt that'll tie down that'll tie them down and leave uh, the, they'll give the Palestinians or uh, a way a, um, a, a pull factor to go to Egypt and get out that way instead of you know staying and getting bombed by Israel and it will give Israel what it wants which is fewer Palestinians in Palestine which will make it easier to colonize the territory. Again, ethnic cleansing by way of genocide. Ethnic cleansing by way of genocide, the two going hand in hand. Uh, but Egypt isn't having any of this. They're, they've built fortifications uh, second only to Texas, which makes it perhaps one of, one of <laughs> the most fortified places in the world. Again, you got to give the, the DMZ between North and South Korea the number one spot, and then the, the, the Suravikin line in Russia, the good old number two. But I, I think I think Egypt might be some good competition for Texas at number three. <laughs> you know? But that's what we're seeing now. The, a humanitarian crisis mounting because e Israel keeps attacking civilian centers. Every, every time they tell the Israeli... The, every time the Israelis tell Palestinian civilians to flee one place... The Israeli military passes up the place where they said the fighting was going to be to go chase down the civilians, to force them to flee somewhere else. And they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again. And now here they are at the southernmost point of Gaza, trying to cause and instigate 
uh, a refugee crisis into uh, flooding Egypt with Palestinian refugees who will have nowhere else to go. That's what they're trying to do. Or, or that, that'll be the effect of what they're trying to do by raiding Rafa. Uh, and my goodness, you're, you're going to see Israeli soldiers shooting up and bombing a refugee camp. At, at, at a certain point, it just it will just become impossible for people to legitimately defend the actions of Israel. And I think Israel is starting to sort of sense that. So they're starting to sort of sense that the tide of public opinion is inevitably shifting against them precisely because of how badly they're just killing civilians. They're not even trying to show any kind of discretion to say, look, we're only killing Hamas. And at a certain point, they know that only the diehard Israel simps are going to believe them at this point when they say that they're only killing Hamas because any look at the numbers will tell you otherwise. It's it's insane. So part of this seems like desperation, knowing that they're par- on borrowed time, whether that's the the genocide trial, the threat of it of an international coalition against them, the threat of America not giving them more money, which is uh, being held up in Congress right now because it's bundled with the Ukraine aid, and that's not going to go anywhere. Hopefully, you know, we'll see what those House Republicans do. They say it's not even going to be up, up for a vote. A vote <laughs> for a vote, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, sometimes you can trust those Republicans, sometimes you can't. You know, which overall makes them quite untrustworthy, unreliable, I'll say. But Israel has seen the writing on the wall, and it's not eh, the writing on the wall says you're fucked. So they're it, it seems like they are pushing events along at a, at a, a faster pace than previously uh, done before. So now they're trying to force the issue of getting all these Palestinians out of Palestine. And this is going to cause a crisis on the border with Egypt, which might tip the scales in Egypt against Israel. But Israel seems to be going for gambles now. At least that's what it seems like to me. Saudi Arabia has... Uh, uh, but but this, this, this nonsense that Israel and her simps call fighting Hamas is increasingly coming with consequences attached. Uh, Saudi Arabia has now said that normalization talks with Israel will only resume if Israel and the U.S. committed to a two-state solution and a formal end to the war in Gaza, like an actual resolution, an actual peace deal, which so far the Israelis don't seem intent on doing. They could do if they wanted, but they don't seem intent on doing that. And Hamas has made multiple offers to Israel and Israel keeps saying no because they want to pursue the unrealistic goal of supposedly destroying all of Hamas. But the the real goal is to push more Palestinians out of Palestine. That is what we can observe. Now, this this, uh, statement from Arabia is in line with their position that has been... uh, That that their position has been... uh, Let me... Let me back up there. Their statements are in line with what their position has been since the start of this round of fighting. So we talk about Iran and Arabia having a, a symbiotic responses to the fighting in Gaza, where Iran is being is pursuing conflict containment, and Arabia has sort of piggybacked off of that to pursue conflict resolution. 
Uh, and it's symbiotic in that one, Iran needs the conflict resolved uh, in a relatively in a in a timely manner, so to speak, because the longer the fighting goes on, the harder it will be to contain and restrain the axis of resistance. And two, without Iran, without Iran, they're keeping the, the conflict from getting bigger, which is the natural inclination of a lot of these militias in the region. Without Iran, who has outsized influence among these militias, without Iran, they're keeping the conflict from getting bigger. Arabia's goal of putting an end to the conflict becomes exponentially harder. Because how are you going to end a conflict that keeps expanding? Because new parties join the war, and now new parties have to be accounted for in the peace arrangements. It becomes exponentially harder. So the two go hand in hand, and without the success of the one, you can't have the success of the other. But the more this goes on, the harder it will be for Iran to control, uh, to restrain, I should say. Because they don't control the axis of resistance, but they can restrain them. But the longer the war goes on, the higher that death toll in Gaza climbs, the harder it's going to be to restrain all these various actors in the region who want to shoot at Israel and who occasionally do. You think Hezbollah is a problem now, let Iran not be there to restrain them. And you will get a, a, a tide of missiles flowing across that, that border in the north. Let we already see the Houthis breaking ranks and just starting a war in, in the Red Sea. We can see these things. The longer this goes on, the harder it will be to resolve the conflict in a diplomatic manner, which is what the Arabs want. And the Iranians are amenable to this as well. They don't want the conflict to expand. But Israel's actions at every step of the way are making this harder and harder and harder and now demands... Are being placed. Arabia is now demanding that the U.S. and Israel commit to a two-state solution and a formal end of the war. Now that demand didn't need to be met. Had Israel, you know, taken the high road and ended this conflict earlier on their own terms, they wouldn't. They wouldn't even have to consider that. Not not really, because there there wouldn't be the d diplomatic weight that the the Arabs would not have the diplomatic weight. To make demands like that. The, the Saudis, I mean. But now that they, they've let the war go on for this long. They've let the war drag on. Now other interested parties. In order to help bring about peace. They now have demands attached to that peace. Whereas the Israelis could have ended the fighting on their own terms earlier. Had they simply made the choice to do so. And again, it all goes back to the choice. Israel has the power to stop this. On their own terms, but the longer this goes on, the worse it gets for them, and the less their own terms are even going to be a factor in the outcome of this, and the more they will have to concede to the terms imposed on them by other players in this arena. But that is Israel. That is Israel.